The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Monday morning and welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm David Faber. I'm live from the New York Stock Exchange. Jim Cramer, it's a little bit earlier for him because he's in Los Angeles. Thankfully, the man never sleeps. Carl's on assignment. Let's give you a quick look at futures before we get started here. Of course, you can see, uh, you know, let's call it, a, I don't know. I'll leave it to Jim to figure out what that tells us, if anything. Uh, let's get to our roadmap this morning, though, as well. It starts with D.C.'s debt drama. The potential market, of course, affects investors awaiting tea leaves from today's meeting between Biden and McCarthy. Plus, we're keeping a close eye on mega cap tech stocks. They're trading at multi-year highs. Apple shares, though, are down a bit this after a downgrade from Loop Capital. And Ford's EV push, boosting its lithium supply and uh, ramping production to meet its 2 million vehicle target. That's by 2026. All right, on this Monday morning, before we get started with trading, 29 minutes from now, let's start with the markets. The S&P and the Nasdaq are coming off what was the best weeks either of them has had since late March. And Jim, I will come to you to sort of ask, what do you expect as this week unfolds, particularly, of course, in light of these ongoing discussions around the debt ceiling? I think that's really going to be it, David. We're going to go up and down depending upon what Speaker McCarthy says. I don't think the president can be as vocal as Speaker McCarthy under more pressure to be able to not make a deal. Uh, otherwise, I mean, it's a light week for earnings. Uh, we're still trying to digest the fact that we've seen the consumer prep slip. We're speaking a lot. I'm speaking to a lot of people who just say the consumer kind of went on strike during the month of April and the strikes continue in May. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that people are kind of nervous, uh, cautious about, indeed, the debt ceiling. So, look, not a great time, David. I'm surprised that the market went up last week, but it was led by those mega caps that you talked about. And they seem to be somewhat immune. They don't need debt. They're just strong. Yeah, they are. And I want to come back to that. But let's talk a little more about the consumer. We spent a good amount of time on it last week, Jim, because we did get various earnings from some of the big retailers. They were not great. Um, whether now I know you had a you know more positive than not reaction, perhaps given the market's reaction to the likes of Home Depot or even Target. Um, but the consumer, I want to drill down a bit more on what you're hearing there, what your expectations are. Do you really think people are are holding off on things, on purchases, perhaps, because they're worried about the debt ceiling? My guess is most Americans have no idea about it. Well, I think that the, uh, the banks do, and I think the banks are worried. I don't think they're advancing uh, as much credit as they would have even four weeks ago. And even four weeks ago, of course, we were in uh, the turmoil. But, you know, I'm, I'm relying on something that, uh, that Mary Dillon told Sarah, and I'm, this is on Foot Locker, which was that the uh, lower middle to middle was starting to get hurt. That's why they weren't spending on, say, Nikes. Uh, at, uh, deer talked about uh, lawnmowers, the actual plain deer lawnmowers that are sold at Home Depot as really not doing well. If you go to Home Depot, they talk about the do-it-yourself person doing a little bit better, but not good enough. And then finally, I think Target had good things to say about the, about the quarter pass, but the quarter that we're in now, they are concerned, even as they kept their estimates the same for the year. Yeah. 
Um, and mega cap tech, of course, which you bring up as well. Uh, you know, and it's in, mentioned in any number of these notes that uh, we've reviewed this morning in terms of the broader market, whether it's uh, Mike Wilson, whether it's uh, Savita Subramanian at B of A. Um, I mean, Wilson, for his part, says, listen, valuations aren't attractive. And it's not just the top 10 to 20 stocks that are expensive. Um, he's saying, you know, the fact is that the S&P median stocks, 18.3 times. And even when you take out tech, it's still around 18 times, Jim. Concerning? No. 18 times historically at this point in the cycle, not that bad. And I think that uh, you could argue that the only group that is overvalued is if you listen to Neil Kashkari and he says the banks have to raise a lot of capital. That would certainly be trouble for the banks. But, I mean, look, you, you take these mega cap stocks and some people are trying to make it out as if this is, uh, let's say, 2001, 2002. Others are trying to say it's 2011 because of the, uh, the debt deal. Uh, and others are saying it's 2021, which was when 600 deals came public that period. I don't know. I mean, I come back and say that if you strip out the cash, if you look at how the earnings are, a very positive note today about Alphabet. Yes, indeed, uh, Meta has a big de- uh, a big payment they have to make to Europe, but that doesn't hurt anything as far as I can see. Yeah, um, Apple with a possible slowdown, according to Loop, that that's worth focusing on because that's bringing Apple down. But, you know, David, this is the beginning of what we hear about Apple always, which is they hear, they check suppliers. And suppliers have always been something that are very elusive. I don't like the supplier call read through to Apple because it's been wrong uh, the whole time. Been wrong for uh, more than a decade. So I'm not playing that game. You're not. I mean, no. this one you no. just said, just hold on to it. Don't sell. Just just hang in there. Right? That's well, been I mean, your I, mantra I think for, a, for years now, really. And well, by the way, not a, a bad pur- one. Right. No, but as a proportion of, of my travel trust, I mean, we're looking at all the mega caps and saying we don't want to be a mega cap fund. So, I mean, there's a possibility that we may do across-the-board cutback just because uh, we're swinging with FANG. I never wanted this fund to swing with FANG, but that's what's happening. Yeah, well, as a percentage of the overall S&P, as we know, just Microsoft and Apple alone have never been a, a larger weighting, right, given their market right. caps. Well, Apple 7%. Apple yeah. 7%. That, that makes you somewhat uncomfortable. I mean, it doesn't matter who bought it. It doesn't matter whether Buffett's buying it. It doesn't matter whether the company's buying it. 7% of the S&P, I have to admit, is, is something that's a little chilling for a company that I like very much. Yeah. Uh, let's turn to the debt ceiling, Jim. Uh, Biden and Speaker McCarthy are going to resume the talks. That's set for later today. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen also, of course, has been very vocal. She uh, discussed the consequences of failing to reach a deal yesterday when she uh, joined Meet the Press. My assessment is that the odds of reaching June 15th while being able to pay all of our bills is quite low. So there will be some bills unpaid if the debt ceiling is not raised. Yes, and um, many people, including you decided many which credit bills? Rate, rating agencies. Have you decided which bills um, those are going to be yet? Well, the, I, look, I, I would say we're focused on raising the debt ceiling. And there will be hard choices if that doesn't occur. Yeah, she went on to say there can be no acceptable outcomes if it isn't raised. Jim, she's been saying the same thing for weeks now. I I guess we got, I mean, June 1st we've been working with. Many have said, well, it's not really June 1st. But June 15th does seem to be perhaps a more realistic date as to when we run out of money. Yeah, I mean, I look at this and I say, all right, who's going to look worse to the American public? And historically, a president who's challenged either by a recession or by inflation, who is in his first term, is uh, always the loser. 
uh, when it comes to uh, matters that are, let's say, uh, anything related to Congress. And I just think Speaker McCarthy knows that. I think he's under tremendous pressure from his caucus, from a very sizable part of his caucus, to go to fall. And, and I, I think that there's a kind of an unreal nature among the Republicans about what default will look like, because they think that Americans, as you said, that most Americans don't understand it. We understand that the banks understand it. We understand that, uh, yes, that the wealthy understand it. We just think, I think a lot of other people are fearful of what's going to happen. But right, right now, there's a disbelief that this is going to go. Uh, there's also the, con- the continual talk that the 14th Amendment allows the president to do this. That will immediately go to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court's Republican. Republican uh, court would rule in favor of Congress. I don't know why that's considered even a course. So, uh, look, David, I-, I just think that this is going to be something we'll talk about all week because it's still too far away from June 15th. Um, do you want to buy a six-month T-bill at 5.3% right here or you stay away? Well, look, I mean, a lot of people are doing that, and I think that that's fanciful because if you do get a debt deal uh, and and it's not an owner's deal where you get an SP downgrade, you're going to be at the beginning of a move that was just extraordinary, as it was back in 2011, uh, led by everything, but uh, some of the defensives, but some of the more aggressive industrials. I don't know, David. I mean, look, I think if you want to uh, brag that you got got that piece of paper, I think that seven months from now, you're going to find out that you bragged and you made very little money. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it certainly um, didn't work out this way 2011. Remember, 2011, we got the one-two punch. We had the uh, first a bad deal in the sense of a deal that was sequester and yeah, that everybody lost. But right. then a, a few, a few uh, you know, then you got the S&P downgrade, and that crushed stocks. Uh, I think the S&P is looking closely. You and I both remember when Secretary Geithner said they did the math wrong. Uh, nobody wants the S&P to make a mistake this time. But I think that there's just uh, – remember, Speaker McCarthy, uh, he's on a, a very thin – uh, it's it, it very thin ice, and I think that that's going to make it so that he has to be more of someone who takes a harder line, thinking that the American people will blame Biden. Um, but to your point about the market, I mean, at this point, it doesn't appear that there's been a significant reaction in the equity markets to the likelihood, at least, of a default, right? Totally right. The stocks that, that did the, uh, the best going into 2011 were a lot of companies that felt that uh, we thought the economy was going to be good, and, and it turned out the economy wasn't bad. Uh, but, yeah, David, I mean I, I mean, I can count on one hand the stocks I think are really banking on some sort of a default. It's just not happening. The bank stocks are all lower, but they're lower because of all the reasons we always talk about. Yep. Uh, it is funny. I did see a – well, I had a – I had to join J.P. Morgan Wealth Management. I had to get a wealth advisor, but I can get 4.2% now from J.P. Morgan, Jim, instead of 0.2%. Well, well, I mean, I don't know what your advisor said. Uh, (laughs) Well, I didn't do uh, it. I'm not going to get I don't want one of those people bothering me. There's nothing wrong with 4.2. I mean, look, maybe you do well in Bitcoin if we default. I mean, maybe you get 10% in Bitcoin. That would be something people expect. uh, Right. I mentioned it because, of course, you did bring up the banks, and we we talk about their, you know, in this environment— and not necessarily deposits fleeing because they're, people are concerned about whether their money's safe, but simply fleeing because they want to go into a money market that is paying them 4%. That's the well, real issue right now for the banking industry. You're right. I mean, the stocks that give you more of a yield than that tend to be stocks that are problematic or are oil companies. And a lot of people don't like the oil companies anyway. So the competition is severe toward, uh, toward stocks, but we are at the lowest level of equity exposure since 2009. And that was the year when we didn't know whether the center would hold. Uh, I think there's a lot of cash on the sidelines making that return, thinking that they're brilliant. And yet, if we do get a deal, they're not going to look that brilliant. Yeah. 
Speaking of oil and gas, we will talk about that Chevron deal a little yeah, later in the deal. program. Uh, but coming up next, uh, Ford's holding an investor day outlining its plans for uh, electric vehicles over the next few years. We're going to give you the details. Let's give you another look at futures as we get ready for an opening bell. Less than 20 minutes from now, more Squawk on the Street straight ahead. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Ford is uh, in focus this morning. It's holding an investor day, outlining its updated plan for growing its earnings over the next several years. Our Philippo caught up with its CEO, Jim Farley, ahead of the event, and he was certainly speaking uh, aggressively about the EV market. I don't think everyone's going to have full-size trucks. I don't think everyone's going to have electric commercial vans. I don't think people are going to have the same electric lineup we do. These are segments that we know really well, and we've already proven we can conquest. But it's true. We're going to see more price pressure on EVs. All right, Jim, you've been a longtime uh, supporter here of Mr. Farley's in particular. Um, what are your thoughts about, you know, ahead of this event and anything else you want to share in terms of what you heard from Phil and Mr. Farley when they spoke earlier? I think that the surprise here is not the batteries love that, but the fact that uh, Jim Farley did reiterate the $6 billion in free cash flow number. Uh, the street's looking for 2.7. So there's a giant disparity between what Farley says they can do and what the street thinks they can do. That's what I care about. The reiteration says, that, you know, you're almost in June, that this could be uh, something where Ford could have an upside surprise. The battery news, look, I, they had to get batteries, and it's the Albemire again. Albemire continues to win. Uh, but I do think that it's earnings per share that I care about and cash flow that I care about. And, of course, David, because I know you're a chartist, the chart, which is horrendous. <laughs> is, that horrend- is that what makes for a horrendous chart? Jim, uh, well, yeah, as, no, the, as the, uh, the longer term. I have no idea. So. The longer term. But, you know, look, there's one thing that's interesting about Jim Farley. Of course, he's perennially bullish. Uh, and people don't believe that you can. This is really the, the rap. Uh, people don't believe that you can make internal combustion engines at the same time that you can make EVs and ever get near what the princess brought. I mean, whatever, what, what, <laughs> what Musk said. <laughs> Uh, Mandy Patinkin is the winner here. And I think you ought to actually play some of what Musk said because it says basically that Ford can't pull it off. 
Yeah, I mean, listen, there's so many different aspects of this. Obviously, being down in that facility, we'll ne I'll never forget it. You're just watching and getting the sense for the size and the uh, uh, scale of what they're doing uh, in Austin, Texas. Uh, at Tesla. Um, still hoping perhaps they sell as many as two million this year around the world. I did speak with Musk, of course, as our viewers at this point know, and he, you know, this was part of the conversation that I'll share around how they're benefiting from the Inflation Reduction Act, which is not something he's often talked about. Take a listen. You actually have to build the batteries in, in the U.S., and you actually have to build the precursors to the batteries. Um, but if you do, uh, it is. Um, uh, I believe $30 uh, at the at the cell level and $15 at the pack level, I believe, if, if I recall correctly. So uh, that 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 is uh, very significant for, for batteries. And then you've got the uh, consumer tax credit for EVs, provided they are built in the U.S. Uh, uh, and and that the pack is built in the U.S. Up until December, uh, or until January this year, I should say, uh, there was no uh, consumer tax incentive to buy a Tesla. Uh, but there, there was for the other car companies uh, because they have not reached, they've not made that many electric cars. Um, and he did say it's going to be a significant benefit to the company, perhaps not quite as much as Adam Jonas had foresaw, which he said it could be as much as a 45% boost to EPS over time, Jim. And then we get into lithium mining, which, of course, Musk also said, hey, I don't want to have to do this, but they broke ground in Corpus Christi because... Nobody else is doing it. He continues to encourage others to get into that, that business, essentially. He hates the fact that there really does seem a control uh, price in lithium. And he's dead right, uh, because lithium shouldn't be as expensive. I know the, the, the Ford deal won't necessarily change that. When you go back to what he was saying about pricing, uh, it, there is this problem with the majors, like a Ford, where they have this, as he said, the ma manufacturer suggests retail price, and they can't adjust it. I mean, one of the things that's really a dog Jim Farley at Ford is, is that he has told me back and forth, looks like this is going to cost the six cents, this is going to cost the seven cents, and there I'm talking about the Mach-E. So they're all reacting to his pricing, but because of the, the tiered nature of that industry, David, when you react to the pricing, you react too slowly. And it does seem that, once again, uh, Musk is ahead of the game no matter what you do. Yeah, um, but they have an interesting competition, and Musk at least does give them a shout-out for being the only one who didn't go bankrupt, remember. It is worth mentioning occasionally that Ford did not file. Ford hung in there, unlike GM and Chrysler, both of which had to reorganize under Chapter 11. Right. I have goaded Jim Farley to say something horrible about Musk for maybe two years. No matter what I do, I can't get him to do it. Able competitor, really fun. It's nice rivalry. But, David, no name calling, no things that I think would be good TV, nothing. So, I mean, you know, I can't give you anything other than like it's like Harvard and Yale. It's not like, you know, a Titanic struggle. It's some Ivy League thing. It's driving me crazy. <laughs> well, we'll give him time. You never know with those two in particular, uh, obviously being uh, incredible competitors. All right, coming up, Jim's going to give us, we're going to do a cross-country mad dash, so that's pretty exciting. We'll also count you down to an opening bell. That is 10 minutes away. One more look at futures. Uh, uh, I don't know. What is that? Nothing. Not much is going to happen at the open. Wait until a few minutes after, right, Jim? I don't know. You got a take on those numbers uh, right you there? Got totally right. That's nothing. I mean, wait till McCarthy says these talks aren't going anywhere. All right, more Squawk in the Street right after this. Every day, 
thousands of Comcast engineers and technologists put people at the heart of everything they create, like Olu Sheyi, a Comcast engineer who grew up bonding with his dad over sports. This inspired him and his team to create AI Highlights technology that uses AI and machine learning to detect the major plays in a sporting event. So millions of fans have a way of catching up on their favorite sports. Learn more at ComcastCorporation.com. All right, let's get uh, let's uh, get a mad dash in here and then an opening bell. What do you got, Jim? Well, a, a company's stock has been up ever since it reported what a lot of people felt was not a great quarter is Micron. And Micron's been banned uh, from China over security issues. Remember, Micron's the only company that really went to war against the Chinese many years ago, saying that they've been stealing intellectual property. So it's not unusual that they had a fight. What is unusual is they have a lot of business in China. So it's 14 percent of their business. Uh, so it's going to be a hit of about three billion dollars. So it makes sense. And then, oh, by the way, if you add Hong Kong in, then you're starting to talk about 21 uh, percent of the business. So you can see with a company, with a company that has 23 billion in revenues, it's not insignificant. So I do expect the stock to trade down. Uh, there's nothing Sanjay Marotra can do about this. I think that Micron is a shot across the bow. I don't think that they're, uh, other than the you know, tortured relations a few years ago, uh, this is just the beginning unless there's some sort of more uh, amenable uh, situation between the, uh, the president and President Xi. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's yet another sign of this uh, this trend that we talk so often about, Jim, in terms of this potential decoupling, whatever you want to call it, or however you want de-risking. Um, how do you view it as part of that? Is it just another step along the way of, of this continued increase in hostility, essentially? Absolutely. Now, Micron, it's interesting. That's the one that is probably the least uh, important when it comes to uh Technology uh, that is, I would say, military, uh, least important when it comes to the technology that may or may not be able to make it so that China is invasive. Uh, now, remember, uh, we already had NVIDIA be told they can't have any H100 chips. I have more on NVIDIA, which is just incredible. But you know, AMD's levered there. AM, and Micron will be the shot, and then the next would be AMD. I don't think AMD's going to happen. They have better relations. Okay, yeah. Uh, we got a lot to talk about, of course. Talk more about AI overall, NVIDIA, a couple of deals to get to as well. And that opening bell, a little more than five minutes away. Don't go anywhere. I think right now it's a close call either way versus raising another time in June or skipping. Some of my colleagues have talked about skipping. Important to me is not signaling that we're done. If we, did, if we were to skip in June, that does not mean we're done with our tightening cycle. It means to me we're getting more information. Do we then start raising again in July, potentially? And so that's the most important thing to me, is that we're not taking it off the table. Kashkari, of course, uh, uh, joining Squawk Box earlier. Jim, your thoughts about his comments? Well, look, I, I think that there was a pressing of him by, uh, by the team about what happens in a case where you have a, a, a default. And he, I thought he pretty much danced around it. Obviously, if you have a default, then the idea that you're going to have a rate increase is, is ludicrous. Uh, I was surprised. I mean, I thought he was in the, in the pause camp. But then he talked about how there's still too much spend by the consumer, uh, still uh, too much wage inflation. It's wage inflation that people are worried about. We need to see a cool employment number. We have not had a cool employment number. And when we get that, then I think they'll be able to say uh, we can wait. Uh, David, it, people are still hiring. Uh, not all companies. Some companies are laying off, laying off big. But they are not companies that are involved in anything other than technology. Yeah. 
Jim, uh, when it's just you and me, when Carl's out, I always like to go on the Wayback Machine. 20-some years ago when we were on Squawk Box uh, with Mark Haynes, we used to have this thing called the key to the market. We'd quickly ask you, and you'd sort of give us a sense. So I'll go to it now as well in the minute we have before we uh, get an opening bell or less than that. What do you got? Well, I think it is going to be Apple. I want to see whether there is a follow-through. Apple, uh, the the team at Loop also said that the, all the suppliers were going to be under pressure. Uh, now, I just think that if you act on this, I don't, look, I think Apple's had a great move. But if you act on this and you think that this is the beginning of the end of the PC and, of course, the cell phone, well, where have you been? They have adjusted its service revenue that has kept Apple going up here. So I'm not buying the whole downgrade, but I do understand, David, it is going to affect the market. It just will. Yeah, uh, as we take a look, of course, at the real-time exchange back at our headquarters. Given that look at futures, I don't know, we'll see. Uh, there's the opening bell. Uh, here's the big board mining company, Southern Copper. Over at the NASDAQ, Solar Energy Technology Company, Souls. Souls. All right. A few cheers here. Jim, you know, we got some deals. Let's start. Let's start on oil in general. Absolutely. Let's start with the Chevron deal. We can also talk a bit about Exxon and lithium mining. I mentioned, of course, Musk earlier. Uh, but Chevron, PDC Energy, I mean, it's a pretty straightforward deal. Um, the DJ Basin in Colorado, the Permian, sort of half gas, half oil. They're spending, what, $7.6 billion. That's when you include debt for this company. Not a huge premium, about $6.3 billion overall in terms of what's going to cost them to buy the shares. It's $72 a share. I should point out it's all stock. All stock. 0.46.4638 shares. Your thoughts on the deal? I think it's a great deal because it immediately increases the, the reserves by 10, 10%. David, the strangest thing about this deal is that people didn't like this basic. People felt that Eastern Colorado is subject to a, a, a state, this is no Texas, a state that would maybe cut back on, on, the, on drilling. There is some nice decarbonization here. There's less carbon than, than Chevron's overall, uh, their, their reserves. But people have stayed away from this basin. Uh, they didn't like the regulation. I like it. And I think that what's great about it is it's dirt cheap. It's $7 a barrel. Brings down their uh, cost per barrel dramatically uh, and is immediately, you know, it's additive in a very short period of time. That's why I think that Chevron's not down nearly as much as a lot of people would expect, given how much uh, stock they're giving away. Yeah. Uh, although they often use stock in these kinds of deals, sort of this tuck-in uh, kind of a deal where they're getting acreage, uh, as you know. They, they say it's going to be accretive to earnings per share, free cash flow, and return on uh, common equity. Chevron anticipates accretive to all those financial measures. They say within the first year after closing, and that it could add as much as a billion dollars in annual free cash flow if you assume $70 a share, Brent, um, approximate 2024 futures prices as of May 20, uh, as of right now. So, you know, uh, I guess overall, what you might expect from them is they have to continue to get new acreage, don't they? Exactly. It looks like they can add a minimum 250,000 barrels per day, which is excellent. But, David, they generate a lot of cash flow at Chevron, and I know that they've had a, a voracious buyback. Two quarters to make this uh, back. Two quarters, and they will bought back all the stock. Uh, it's a cash machine, this company. More bang for the buck. I like the deal because I had faith in that basin. I've been talking about that basin being the next place. Uh, and people have been very skeptical about it because people just don't like Colorado. Uh, you, you know, Mike Worth is perfectly willing to deal with the authorities of Colorado. 
And I, there's plenty of mid, there's midstream pipe. When I press the company about whether they have enough pipe to be, get that oil out, they say absolutely, which is very unusual given the fact that that has been a basin that has pretty much uh, been left aside because people like Permian, they really don't want to deal with Colorado. But Mike doesn't care. And therefore, Mike is going to triumph on this. Yeah. Um, while we're in the oil and gas arena, I might as well mention that story as well. Uh, I think it was Friday or over the weekend about Exxon. You know, I mentioned earlier Musk saying, please, other people, try and mine some lithium. We're going to need an awful lot of it. It appears Exxon uh, heard the call because they're buying some what land, and I think it's Arkansas to potentially do just that. Uh, obviously, as I said earlier, Tesla broke ground in Corpus Christi on a lithium uh, refining operation. But uh, in this case, it does appear that uh, Exxon will at least consider it. It's small, but there it is. Thoughts? Yeah, but Ar- Arkansas is this area where I think that that uh, Musk would tell you, it, look, it, it's we have a ton of it. You don't have to go to Chile. I mean, a lot of people are just saying, look, in the end, it's going to be, you have to go to uh, Sociedad Chimica. Uh, if it's right in our neighborhood, it, look, it is speculative. I don't know. You have a lot of friends at Exxon. There's some people who say that Arkansas just has a, a huge amount. Uh, you know that Exxon never drills uh, until they've done a very thoughtful analysis. So I thought this was very positive for the whole industry. But I, I keep thinking about that when Musk in the last two quarters would talk about, please, people, start drilling lithium. It's ridiculous. You can make a ton of money. And uh, the call's being heard. Yeah. Um, I thought I lost you for a second there, Jim. Can you hear me? No. Yeah. Jim's gone. Yeah. All right. No, Jim. That leaves me all alone. What do you think of that? Could be an interesting, uh, what do we got left? 26 minutes. Um, I wanted to talk about Meta, of course, as well. And I actually asked Jim about that because the stock is up uh, some 1.17%, despite what would appear to not be particularly good news, that being that they are going to be fined by the EU as much as $1.3 billion. This for uh, basically data transfers to the United States. Um, and uh, nonetheless, the stock, of course, as you see, has had an incredible move during the course of the year, in part because, as uh, Mark Zuckerberg has called it, it is the year of efficiency. Separately, and something that I do want to get to Jim on when we get him reestablished in terms of uh, uh, his audio, um, I continue to hear the possibility of even further job cuts at Meta. Unclear exactly what they would number. Um, But Jim, you know, we focused in part on Meta and how many job cuts have already taken place. But they seem to be moving so aggressively in AI that they may be discovering other areas that they don't need. And so, you know, I'm working on this. But again, I I do believe that there may be even more significant cuts to come. Not sure what you're hearing, given how close you are in terms of following that company. I know that there's a a big pivot. I know that that Mark is spending a huge amount of time on AI. That's absolutely guaranteed. Uh, Remember, he's also spending a lot of time on on, uh, reels. And reels matter tremendously because, take a look, what was the European fine about? It was about taking data and sending it to the United States. Well, I mean, that, if you want to extrapolate that, how about what Montana did with, with TikTok? So I think it's right that he spends the time with reels. He always says at the same time, I am not cutting back on the metaverse. 
David, I, I just don't know. I mean, they make so much money in Reels, so much money in Instagram. I guess you could think long term of the metaverse, but he's not there on that. That's not where he's spending his time. And I think that's what really matters. He's spending his time on AI, right? I mean, isn't that where yes, his focus absolutely. entirely is? I just want to make that clear. And yet Meta does not seem to be one of those names immediately attached to that bucket of stocks, so to speak, if you want to call it that, led by NVIDIA, that you can play as an AI play, so to speak. But Jensen Wong made the point to me uh, when I was at NVIDIA last time that Zuckerberg, totally in the mix, that there's just no doubt about it that Instagram, Zuckerberg, all using Jensen, trying to figure out how to integrate what Jensen's created. Now, it, obviously, this company reports this week, and we're going to find out that Jensen Wong is having unbelievable numbers in H100. A lot of the analysts have just gone way ahead of what I think the company would like to do in terms of what the expectations are. But no, I, he's Zuckerberg's spending time where he needs to spend time uh, because this is where the money is. And I think it's because the money where, where Instagram is being reignited uh, Reels has got TikTok on the run. I think this is a brilliant move by him. And yes, they'll still spend a lot of money on Metaverse, but they won't spend a lot of time. He won't spend a lot of time. I want to know whether New York needs anybody. I understand that uh, there's, they have a big real estate footprint. And if they want to get out of it, we know that these contracts cost a lot of money to get out of. But why do they need anything in New York? That's what I keep hearing. Nothing in New York. That's great. Thanks, Jim, for that. That's really good for the city. Always like to hear that. I so thought you'd like to hear very it. happy to hear that. Yeah, great. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. great. You know, you can convert all that space to residential over a period of 30 or 40 years. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure yeah, immediately happy. Accretive She's to the always city. happy when we you know, seem to be right. losing jobs. Um, all right. Look at that J.P. Morgan. Look at the J.P. Morgan. What does that say, David? I, I don't know, Jim. Tell me. What does it say? Well, I think it says that Neil Kashkari is dead wrong. There's not going to be a lot of capital that needs to be added. I think that, that there's more consolidation. There's a really good piece this weekend about J.P. Morgan having 13% of the country and that the, the government no longer seems to care about that uh, old 10% rule. Uh, and, David, maybe the PacWest deal is, is real in, in putting another institution out of the equation and might be hurt. That's a, a deal where the PacWest sends some discounted real estate to Kennedy Wilson, which is the foremost uh, auction house for real estate. So anything that gets any of these companies out of the mix of being uh, being hurt is very good for J.P. Morgan. Yeah, and there's that story you're referring to, the $2.6 billion portfolio of loans that's being uh, at least reported in part by the FT um, to Kennedy Wilson. And that's having a positive impact on PacWest shares. I think it's also notable, Jim, that we haven't mentioned the regional banks. You know, we're 10 minutes into trading. We're just getting to them. Clearly, they have not been an, a feature, at least not on the downside, and not, therefore, perhaps as, as worrisome as they were as little as, what, a couple of weeks back when they all seemed to be going in one direction, and it wasn't the right direction if you at least owned them. Well, you're starting to see upgrades. Uh, there's been some positive talk about key. Uh, we know that uh, when you look at these, uh, Huntington Bank is incredibly undervalued. But the one I always watch, David, is First Horizon. That is the one that matters tremendously to me. Uh, and th this is what I'm focused on as First Horizon because that's the one that's $5 billion that got a, a bid for almost three times that. So this is really uh, the one that's on the, I I'd say, uh, that is the bargain if you want to buy it. I know I've spoken to the company. Business is great there, okay? It is great there. So yeah. I just think First Horizon is what you want. That's the one you want to do. Um, as you take a look at First Horizon. Um, don't typically mention uh, Green Hill and Company. In fact, I can't remember the last like time I mentioned it. 
But if you happen to own it on Friday, you're awfully happy today, uh, and perhaps if you haven't owned it for any significant amount of time, because what a premium Mizuho is paying for this small advisory firm, essentially a boutique. It's been around for quite some time. It is a public company. Some people may be somewhat surprised to learn. Fifteen bucks a share is the number. It's all cash. And again, Mizuho, sort of, they're a very aggressive firm. If you look in terms of the lenders and to many of the private equity deals, for example, you'll often see Mizuho's name in there. Um, but they wanted a presence in sort of advisory on investment banking, on M&A specifically, and restructuring really is what we're talking about. And so they, uh, they buy Greenhill, Jim, and they pay basically the 52-week high is what they pay here. I don't know if that was the ask, and that's what they got, but that is what they're paying. Talk synergies, apparently they're in the same building already, so that's helpful. You know, David, when I look at this deal, I... I... I don't want to say I forgot about Greenhill because Greenhill, at one point, you know, story firm. But, David, will this mean that all the little boutique M&A shops are going to be snapped up? Or is this just Mizuho saying, you know what, we have a chance, we can move in? Because uh, there are still a lot of them that you and I both know are, are, are not uh, necessarily in the mix publicly that we think are very important when it comes to m and yeah, no, I don't see that. I, I don't necessarily see that occurring. I mean, there are some question marks out there. Listen, Lazard is having a change uh, at the top with the likelihood, of course, that uh, Orzag is going to take over there. That is one of the largest, nonetheless, still considered perhaps boutiques. They do have asset management uh, as well, but uh, certainly on the uh, advisory side, Lazard, would somebody try and make a, make a move there? I don't know. Uh, maybe they already no. maybe maybe they already tried and it's it, nothing happened and so they're making the move here and Jacobs is leaving or at least stepping down as CEO. But um, I don't see well, it, David, Jim, in terms of any real move here to hey go buy a lot you know go buy PJT no go buy. But Molus, what about no. Silicon Valley? What about Silicon Valley Group's incredibly good research department? A research department that is fantastic when it comes to the media. A research department that is terrific when it comes to, to enterprise software. What is going to happen to that group? They are for sale. I can't. It, it's just radio silence other than the fact that they continue to put out. Nathanson continues to put out great research. Sterling Audie continues to put out great research. Why doesn't someone snap them up? I, there, there will be. I think, you know, it's a process, right? That's being led by, I think, Centerview. Um, Learing Swan is another one as well, an advisory firm, at least. Right, or, you right. know, they bring a lot of companies or some companies public. The, uh, yeah, the and that's them. Larink is part of, is Moffat yeah. Nathanson. I mean, yeah, no, that's part of that same group you're talking about, right? That's being right. sold out of SVB or the old SVB. Um, I would assume they'll all get bids, Jim, at some point. That process is underway. Um, finally, I don't know if we have this. I think we may. Uh, did you catch uh, David Zaslov's uh, commencement speech at uh, Boston University over the weekend? Uh, he didn't he didn't get a great reception. Huh. You want to be successful, you're going to have to figure out how to get along with everyone. And that includes difficult people. Some people... Some people will be looking for a fight. Yeah, mm. um, you know, it was the writer's strike. It was just generally sort of when he talked about making money. Um, I haven't spoken to David about it, but I bet that wasn't necessarily something he fully expected to happen there, Jim. I think he's one of those people. He's a deep think guy. 
uh, but he's also a well-loved guy by pretty much everybody. Uh, I think that it probably did surprise him, given the fact that uh, he, when people think of him on Wall Street, they just think of him as, a, as an affable, terrific guy and who everyone's wishing well. Now, I'm sure there's some people who don't like the way uh, uh, the CNN's coming together because, because Chris Lick has been tough. But uh, he's a man who comes in peace. And I think this was kind of a shame. Big deal for him. Shouldn't have happened. Yeah, a lot of time usually goes into uh, into those uh, those speeches. Um, yeah, that's an interesting I know, I reflection Ali college speak. graduates and their thoughts uh, these days. I had Muhammad Ali speak at my college, and it was like, Muhammad, we were speechless. He was unbelievably good. The idea of doing anything other than standing up and cheering, uh, what, you, if you heckled him, we would have driven you out of school. <laughs> well, he could have come around and made sure you didn't heckle him as well, right, Jim? Um, before uh, we go to a break, Jim, anything else you want to sort of hit from your list this morning that we haven't? Well, look, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that we have to I, I'm looking at a couple of things that, that that are important. The most important one is Nike, uh, because the, the big Dow stock. And we always thought that the issue with Nike would be what would happen in China. And we know from uh, Alibaba that China, the middle class, whatever we have of the middle class is weak. But the, the footlocker read through by Mary Dillon was devastating for Nike. And it's not shocking at all that this stock is down and will be down more given the fact that Nike is such a big percentage of what Foot Locker sells. Yeah. Uh, all right, Jim, we're going to take a quick break. Of course, uh, before we do head to that break, let's get in a quick bond report, check out how treasuries are faring this morning. Um, you've seen them already, of course. That six-month T-bill, that was interesting, right? A 5-3-something. As for the two-year note, 4-2-9-8. And there you see at the bottom, uh, the 30-year is 3.935%. We're back after this. Coming up this week, we are kicking off CNBC's inaugural CEO Council Summit on the West Coast. We're going to gather leaders together to tackle some of the more pressing issues CEOs face today, everything from the country's finances, the AI revolution, and a dangerous escalation in U.S.-China tensions. Squawk on the Street and Mad Money, both live with exclusive interviews. Tomorrow morning, we'll be joined by uh, EY CEO Carmine DeCivio and Jim Breyer of Breyer Capital. That's just to mention a couple. Let's take a quick break here. Up next, we'll get Stop Trading with Jim. Don't go anywhere. We've certainly been uh, discussing the headwinds in the commercial real estate market. In fact, Jim also just mentioning earlier the possibility that Meta would, uh, would take down its employee numbers, perhaps in New York. Yet another example, Uber now reportedly downsizing a third of its San Francisco headquarters. The company apparently looking to sublease nearly 300,000 square feet of office space. But as it stands, nearly 30% of downtown San Francisco's offices are already available for lease or sublease. By the way, that number is eight times what it was pre-pandemic. So, Jim, they may not need the space, but it's not clear they're going to be able to get anything for it should they put it back on the market. No, and the other place, of course, that we're focused on in terms of uh, uh, leases where there's basically ghost uh, offices is in, in New York. Uh, places like uh, Twitter, uh, places like Google, uh, just nothing going. People aren't coming to work. But that's not just, by the way, uh, because they're working at home. It's just that there's no need for the space. Yeah. Uh, no, it goes back to, of course, our continued conversation about work from home, the hybrid working that's uh, now seems to be something that is just going to be with us forever. Um, I mean, even on Mondays, people, you know, it's Tuesday, Wednesdays, Thursdays, Jim. 
when people seem to be willing to consider coming to the office of many of these companies. 28 minutes from door to uh, office from Summit, New Jersey. Never been like this ever. 28 minutes. I mean, the easiest commute in the world used to be about an hour and 15. Yeah. All right. So you got that going for you. All right. What do we got for a stop trading? All right, there's a report out this morning by Bank of America, which is a little shaky, really surprising, which is that Google has not been hurt one bit by Bing. Not at all. If anything, it looks like things are pretty positive. And uh, Samsung's staying with uh, uh, Google. I, I thought that you would start seeing Bing hurting uh, Google. No, it, it's doing very well, which is one of the reasons why Google stock is up today. And it's not done going up. I think it's just a perfect situation. My charitable trust owns it. Uh, and I think the pressure was put on it by Bing is going away. They have non-roadshow investor meetings also, I'm told, uh, uh, as well going on today with the CFO, Jim. I think no, well, yeah, Ruth Porat tells it. a great story. I'm a huge fan of Ruth. Periodically, of course, I, I fight with Ruth because uh, I, have, I believe that the company has not figured out necessarily what to do with the Justice Department. They're not worried. Yeah. Well, I don't say that worry. Everyone's worried about justice. It's but, David, so the FTC, will they go after any of these deals? Will the FTC go after anything that uh, is done anymore? Green well, they can, go a- they can go after stuff, Jim. Doesn't mean they're going to win. No. For example, and nobody I, I thinks think- they have a shot of winning uh, that complaint they brought last week against Amgen and Horizon. Nobody, I don't except think- maybe them. I- I don't think they're happy with you talking with Musk. I don't think they like you and my being friends. These are things that are not supposed to happen. They don't like anything where two entities seem to get along. They're going to bring an action against me for, for talking to Elon Musk. I, I, why not? Did I violate I mean, shows, antitrust? Yeah. The, the, the collusion. Collusion. <laughs> you people, you, you talk to him. Um, That's how ridiculous they become. You know, people joke about the FTC these days. They really do. I know. Uh, I it, know. They just joke about it. By the way, you see Rogue. that spread in the, the C-Gen Pfizer deal. The spread is enormous, too, for no apparent reason. Um, except oh, my that- God. That's such a good deal. No, C-Gen will never have the money to be able to develop those anti-cancer drugs. Yeah. So if you had, if you, you were, I mean, I lost my mom to a, a cancer that C-Gen has a formulation for. But she would have lived if C-Gen were able to merge with Pfizer and, she would, and it was All these right. days. You got 10 seconds. Tell us what's on Mad tonight. Okay, Skyworks Solutions, you can't wait. Believe me, it's an Apple supplier, but also everybody else. All right, I'll see you. We'll see you tonight, but I'll see you tomorrow morning in California. We'll be face-to-face again. Quick break here. Don't go anywhere. We'll collude. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. All opinions expressed by the Squawk on the Street participants are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of CNBC, NBC Universal, or their parent company or affiliates, and may have been previously disseminated by them on television, radio, internet, or another medium. You should not treat any opinion expressed on this podcast as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of an opinion. Such opinions are based upon information Squawk on the Street participants consider reliable, but neither CNBC nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy, and it should not be relied upon as such. To view the full Squawk on the Street disclaimer, please visit cnbc.com forward slash Squawk on the Street disclaimer. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, Our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with P. Jim, a leading global asset manager.